Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to one of my best friends from Newcastle, Australia, Yasser Hamid. Now Yasser was born in Egypt. He spent a little bit of time in the US and then came out to Australia. This is where we met in high school and we formed our first band, Diffusion. Now Yasser graduated from the University of Newcastle in mechanical engineering and then moved to Sydney where he was a part of the animal logic team. Their first project that he worked on was Happy Feet uh, which won an Oscar. Since Happy Feet he has moved on to be a part of Be Wolf, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Alice in Wonderland, Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph where he was the crowd's technical director. He's also worked on Moana, Big Hero 6, but the big ones were Frozen 1 and 2, and is still to this day one of the highest grossing animated films in the world. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We also have BK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Tell Craig Your Story. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Yasser Hamid on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hey, Yasser, how are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great, Craig. How are you? It's been a long time, man. It has been a while. It's uh, just trying to remember uh, last time I actually saw you. It was like uh, 2015. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Was that the uh, 
Was that when you came for the WrestleMania? WrestleMania, yes. Five or six years ago. But like I'm I said, sure. you haven't changed one bit, Craig. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't change, uh, um, you know. Like I did. I feel like, I, I feel like I've matured like 20 years just that's right. growing a beard. <laughs> I actually, actually did see, like we are talking about before, I saw some pictures of you uh, with the long hair. Wow. It was like, you know, the amount of moose that you had to do. How, how did you do that? Come on, tell, tell everybody. Oh, man, I... Oh God! Like I, it was kind of a curious time because I, I always wanted to, you know, I always wanted to be a rocker, so I always wanted to have <laughs> the long hair, even though I don't look it, but I always wanted to be. So, so uh, I, you know, I wanted to decide to grow my hair because that was the thing you did back then, right in the nineties. And but my hair is naturally curly, so it, it, if I just let it, let it do its thing, it just grows into like this big. <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, so yeah, we had to like I had to chemically um, chemically treat it so it just keep going straight down and straight down. It was it was it was really weird because because I would do it like every couple of months or so, and so I would have like I would have like half of it be like this afro, and then the other half be straight, and it would just be frustrating <laughs> because I'd have to keep you know straightening it, straightening it, straightening it until it got lo- until it got long enough that I could actually put it in a ponytail, and then I could control it. So it's it's like months in the working, man. Make, <laughs> but never again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those days of the long hair for me are over. <laughs> too much, too much hassle, right? Yeah. But I I remember you playing and like as I, like, you look at those photos now. I was like, whoa, you know. <laughs> yep. Good times. But yeah, sir. Uh, for the people that don't know, I met you in high school. I think we were fourteen or fifteen. Uh, one of my closest friends, even though we're not in the same country uh, a lot, uh, we're always sort of keeping up with each other. So, yeah, it's great to talk to you. One of my true friends. And yep. uh, yeah, thanks for your time. It's been like maybe 12 months, even longer in the making to actually get together. <laughs> and, you know, let's start off with uh, the current situation that we're in at the moment. COVID, uh, LA's got hit pretty hard, US been pretty hard, uh, and I was telling you before, I planned to come and see you in February last year and mm-hmm. uh, didn't happen and uh, US got shut down. So for you on a personal level, uh, how did you sort of deal with this? And then on a professional level, you know, what did you have to cancel, postpone, etc.? Yeah, I think when it first happened, like I was like most people, I was just in denial about it. I was like, yeah. oh, like they're over exaggerating this thing. It'll just blow away. And, and you know, we've been through pandemics before. And we usually just like hear it on TV and we switch the channel. We don't really care. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So I it was going to be one of those. And then it got serious when, you know, the company president sent out an email. I think it was, I still remember the day. It was March 13th Mm. and uh, sent, sent the email out and said, okay, everybody, you have to leave the building now and do not come in uh, until we tell you to. Wow. We were like, whoa, okay. So, and they said, you know, take what you need from, from the office so that you can, you can work from home. We're going to get you set up to work from home. And uh, so, you know, I just basically took, my computer monitor and you know like a, a small keyboard and a mouse and I thought I don't need anything more than that like I looking back I kind of wish I took a lot more but I was like oh, yeah. this is gonna be like a week or something yeah 
so yeah, took took everything home and uh, you know they um, what was so impressive about the technology department is they were able to get like hundreds of people set up to work from home so that so that we can connect into our machines at, at work so we can you know uh, basically stream stream the um, the data off the uh, off the off the work machines because you know our home computers are not powerful enough to do the stuff that we do yeah. um, they managed to get that working for hundreds of people like within within a week it was, wow. it was really really impressive but that whole time I was still like uh, you know this isn't gonna last that long like surely we could just wait this out you know but you know days passed weeks passed then they you know the mayor of LA put in that like stay at home order everybody's to stay at home mm. restaurants they close the bars and I'm like okay this is wild and you just for for the first six weeks of this thing you wouldn't even hear cars in the street yeah air the air was so clean. I have never <laughs> like if you've been to Los Angeles, it's you know the pollution is just everywhere. Yes, it, you know at one point LA's air was I think it was like the cleanest in the world or something like that, which is weird. Wow. Um, and so, but you know, I, I kept thinking like, okay, like surely this will be like end in like March, April, May, and and I think it really dawned dawned on me that we were in it for the long haul was around June and I think and that's when you know the you know the company uh, management was said you know just prepare that this is going to be this is going to be in for the long haul so you know I ended up getting a more comfortable chair and you know set everything up for to be comfortable to work from home and yeah and, and it's now I think we're 14 months and I'm still <sighs> You know, this is the very this is the very table that I work on. Um, yeah, still and uh, yeah, we're still not scheduled to roll you know roll back into the office till close to the end of the year. Mm. So it's yeah, it's going to come on like yeah o over a year and a half from not being in the building. So you know, my even my gym bag is still there. My like, yeah, you know, I think some people even left food on the table, and I don't know why. <laughs> like it's like. It's it's wild. It's like yeah. It's it's hard to imagine, and I wouldn't have ever predicted that that things would have gone as badly as they did. It was it was so extreme here that uh, that basically most people I knew ended up getting getting COVID. Um, ah. Fortunately, fortunately, you know, uh, most of my friends and family and stuff were all young and healthy, so it didn't really affect um, didn't really affect very many people, but. But, you know, I also still knew a bunch of people that um, ended up getting sick and ended up getting to the, the hospital and, you know, mm. a couple of, you know, friends of friends have passed away. So it's it's definitely made made an impact. Yeah, we're definitely in a much better situation now. Yes. I, we, are, we have we have the lowest positivity rate in the nation now. And that's I, right. I, I think as of yesterday, it was the first recorded time we had zero deaths. Wow. Um, so and I think today was also zero deaths. So we're mm. finally in that state. That's um, great. And but yeah, I haven't been, I haven't been like at least in Los Angeles. I haven't been to a bar and over, yeah. like no restaurants or anything. And yeah, now everybody's out and about again. And you know, everyone's. I just hike Runyon um, every day. <sighs> everybody walking around. And it's it's like night and day. It, it, yeah. It, it's hard to explain unless you actually went through it because that's right. I would like I'm the most skeptical person on the planet. I would have never expected to anything like this to happen, and or for me to have actually gone through anything like this. 
so I think it'll be you know it'll be interesting when people when the borders open and and people uh, that they'll have no idea what we went through. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, it's going to be very very interesting and. You know, a, a lot of people, the tourism industry is going to be booming, you know, yeah. uh, once, once it all happens. Have you got your vaccine now? Have you got your yeah, COVID I got, vaccine? I got vaccinated in January. So oh, great. It's been, it's been a while. I think half the, it's estimated half the, half of America is vaccinated now, which is, you know, it's pretty impressive. We're, that's we're true, way up really there good. in terms of our vaccination. So I think that that's basically saved the day. Uh, there's still a little bit while to go, but it, you know we're it, they're they're so abundant now. Anybody can just walk into a pharmacy and get get a vaccine if they want. But, yeah, uh, that's really cool. All vaccinated. Really cool. I noticed that on your Facebook recently, you've been doing some flying. So you want to tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved with uh, flying? Because uh, now you seem to be like an expert, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The, you know, before I got before I got into animation or before I got into a- anything really, it's like I had I had a bunch of passions. It was like either I wanted to be like a rock star or <laughs> or you know or an actor or something. I, I or um, the other thing I had was I, I wanted to be a pilot. You know, my my parents at the time they you know learning to fly is an expensive, expensive yes. exercise. So you know that that was like a no go on on their plate. So yes. um, I couldn't I couldn't afford it back um, when I was young. You know, the minute I started working and I was able to you know actually do some training on my uh, on my own, I decided that I that I you know I, if I may not make it as a career, but I'd love to have this as a as a hobby. So. Um, when I was 21, um, yeah, I started started taking flying lessons back in Bankstown in Sydney. I, I did my first solo at the age of you know 22, and um, that was really like like to me that was a life changing moment because it's when I tell people when I tell people like the minute that you learn how to fly on your own, mm. it's, it's like it changes your perspective on everything because right. it's. It's like if you can control your life in your hands like that, you can you can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it it really really propelled me psychologically. I think that mm. to basically feel like I can do anything. So yeah, and I just kept you know kept at it, and uh, I eventually finished getting my private license in Cessnock, and in, yeah. uh, you know back back near Newcastle. And uh, when I moved to the states, I, you know, I just did a little bit more training to get my uh, my U.S. private license. Yeah, and it, it never really it never really faded for me like the passion for it. And um, it, it's always like a new challenge because there's so much to learn, and there's you know there's like new ratings and things that you can do, mm. and, and there's advancements. So it, I always feel engaged by it. So I keep I keep growing on that hobby. And so you know, like just recently, I just. Uh, decided to learn how to fly a, a different plane and right. so, you know so that's what you know the videos were all about and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I bought all these and the cool thing is about like with technology now I've got all these 360 GoPros now and so I get to, right. to, the, to the plane and take some amazing footage and flying I feel very privileged because flying in Southern California is is yeah. just amazing there's so many towns and cities nearby that you can just go to and you know i've flown to vegas on you know i've flown to santa barbara i've flown to catalina i've flown to yes Boston. i don't really have that back uh, back in australia there's you'd go from newcastle to sydney and 
you know, all the small towns that there's not much going on. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. here, there's just so much going on. So it's it's really really cool. And um, so flying here, it's not so much um, it's not so much just for fun. It's a, it's actually like it's actually used as a method of transport because there's just so yeah. many so many big cities like close by and um, and a lot of airports, tons of tons of airports. So people fly here for transport, you know, and uh, so I feel very lucky that I get to do my hobby, you know, here in Southern California. Yeah. And like you were saying, the fresh air now, you know, it'd be awesome to go up and fly. And yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah. All right. Yes. Let's go back into your sort of background and history uh, for some people that don't know. So you're living in US, you've been to Australia for majority half but you were originally born in cairo egypt i do believe uh how long did you stay there for like um initially so um so i was born i was born in cairo so i'm egyptian and my parents are egyptian and um my dad was uh, studying uh, uh studying in university at the time and then he got a scholarship to get a phd um from the united states so when at the age of four, um, he, you know, we all moved to the states, of mm. Missouri actually, and mm. my my dad did his uh, PhD at the University of Missouri there, and then after after a few years, we had to move back once once he finished his doctorate. So we went back to Cairo for about another three years. Um, at that point, I was struggling in school. I had established English as my primary language because right. it was so young. You know, four years old. That's I basically just, you know, started school in the United States. Um, so when you go, when I went back there with a completely different language, I was struggling in school. And my brother as well, he was only four months old, and he was having trouble picking up the language because he was at that point where you, you, know, you start to pick up language. Yes. Uh, so my parents were basically, you know, they decided that it, it just wasn't it wasn't right to stay, stay in Egypt. Um, so... You know, we tried to immigrate back to the United States, and uh, at that point, the, bar, the the opportunity wasn't available for us. And uh, but Australia opened up its borders for us, and they, you know, they looked at my dad's credentials. You know, he had a PhD in entomology. It's really helpful for the Australian economy and agriculture. Yeah. They basically just welcomed us with open arms and said, "Here's here's your permanent residence, like right there." And um, we moved to. We moved to Sydney in 1992, I think it was, and uh, yeah, so we we spent we spent a um, a year or two there, and and then my dad, you know, got his job at the University of New England, mm. and so we moved to Armadale for a few years, and after my dad finished his um, um, his stint at the University of England, he had to go back to Cairo to to finish some of his work um, over there, but you know, so my mum. My mom and us were all alone at that point, and uh, there was no real point for us to stay in Armadale anymore. And we didn't want to really go to Sydney, right. so uh, yeah, my mom just decided that we'd move to Newcastle. Oh. That's, yeah, that's how I ended up in Newcastle, and uh, yeah, that's, great choice, great yeah. choice, mom. <laughs> how I met you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Wow. So that's how so, that, so, that circle happened. So do you have any sort of vivid memories of Armadale and, and like even before Armadale, like even in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, like it, it's hard, it, you know, uh, because I went through so many big 
you know, big changes. Um, yeah. As I've, I've been, it, it, the, those memories really like they stay etched, etched into your mind. So, um, yeah, I remember what it was like going to elementary school here in the United States. I even remember some, some kids names and, um, you know, the, I even looked up the school that I went to and, you know, it's still there and it's, it's kind of crazy. None of the teachers are still there or anything, but, um, my dad's, my dad's professor, the one that, um, he worked with is, is he's still, he's still around and he's still in right. Missouri. So we're hoping to actually go and visit him. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks, actually. So my dad hasn't seen him in 33 years or something. And so he, yeah, we might be going to visit him um, really soon, which is really crazy. Um, but yeah, I have, you know, I remember, you know, my mom taking care of me and I remember uh, growing up with the kids there and I remember what it was like living in Egypt uh, for and going to school there. Mm. Um, you know, school over there was is much, much more, was much, much more difficult, much more uh, strenuous than, yes. than in the West. So I remember what that was like. Yeah, and then I I remember like my first days in Australia and how that felt like I was back in the United States. Right. I remember my mom saying it's like, oh my god, we're like back in America, but we're not. (laughs) (laughs) But it felt like that. It felt like that, and so I remember all those all those little things. They're they're you know they're very pivotal points in my life. So it's hard not to not to remember them. Um, Armadale was. Armadale was amazing. You know, I went to Armadale High School there, and I'm still very much in touch with um, my high school friends there. Uh, right. I went to the 20 year reunion uh, in 2017, whatever it was, I think. Yeah. So I went and I caught up with uh, I caught up with people there um, and all my high school friends that I hadn't seen in years, wow. and it's it's really really cool to just you know, I, I love, I love technology for the fact that you, you know, you can stay in touch with people that, that you yeah. may have for, for years. And so it was so good to be able to see those people. And then, and you know, they already knew about me. Like it was right. like, oh, <laughs> oh, you on Facebook. We see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really cool. And uh, so, yeah, I very much, I very much kept in contact um, with everybody that, you know, that, that has, wanted to stay in contact anybody that wanted to talk to me i stayed talking to yes. them and um, that includes you and you know other friends from newcastle yeah um value that you know i haven't i haven't forgotten about everybody that's right yeah absolutely we can talk about it a little bit later but uh i can always remember going to visit you in the u.s i think it's maybe four or five times now we've caught up a couple of times in australia as well and it's just really cool to where we've come from. Like, uh, we're just friends. We're mate. A, a lot of the people in, in LA are like business. And, you know, you know, and when I come over there, it's like, all right, let's play some music. Let's find a band, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, just real back down to earth, just, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate it just as much as uh, you do, I guess. So that's that's one thing that I'll, I will never forget. Anyway, now, when did you come to Wars and High? Because this is where we met, right? So, yeah, so I came to Wars and High right after we moved from, to Newcastle from Armadale. And I think that was 1994. 94, right. Yeah, and I can't remember if it was at the start of the year that we that I'm I think it was at the start of the year that that I that I joined the school. 
Yeah, you were one of the first people I think that I talked to. Yeah, yeah, were, yeah, it was, yeah. It was crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, and a bunch of others. And you know, it was it was a fun school. I you know I missed it. I missed the teachers there. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, was like this this fun. really really smart dude. <laughs> yeah, a lot of. He was like super smart. He was always giggling, and he had this always big smile on his face, and happy no, to talk yeah. to anybody. The one, the one thing that sort of sticks out, like when we first met, is uh, one day you brought in uh, this thing that I'd never heard of. It was phosphorus. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you did. Uh, I was in the same science class as you, so tell us what you did there, Yasser. What did you? <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny thing because <laughs> I thought it was really strange that that you know everybody everybody's like saw me as some sort of a genius yeah that's right yeah it's funny because i always ever i always thought of myself as like average intelligence but for some reason walton and high had this standard where i was somehow a genius it wasn't and, the most academic uh, school let's just say that <laughs> but um and everybody would keep asking me like how are you so smart how are you so smart how are you so smart i'm like i had no answer to that and it was frustrating because a, I never, I didn't think I was that smart, and B, it was like, you know, why are you guys keep asking me this? <laughs> I just tried to do my best in school, and that was it. Yeah. Um, so then one day, I just got frustrated and said, "Oh, I have a magical, you know, I got magical chemical that I take, and <laughs> it's phosphorus." And, and everyone believed it. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. It's like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll taste it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it was just like, and they're like, and then all my friends were like, oh, you got to bring it in. We need to try this stuff. We want to get smart. <laughs> and like, I just brought a small bag of sugar one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I think I gave it to you and a few others and, and you taste it. You're like, ah, so this is phosphorus. It tastes like sugar. <laughs> like, Hang yeah, on. It's, it's pretty sweet, but you'll be smart now. <laughs> Does increase brain cells or something like that? You're saying, yeah, increases brain cells, yeah. yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that's a funny story. But yeah. did you end up selling it, or were you just giving it away? Oh no, no, I would never do that. <laughs> that's that's that's, that's pretty... what you do as a 14 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was you that was saying that. Isn't the like the U.S. standard of schooling uh, above like wars and high? Like, had hadn't you already done like a level a year above? when you came to wars and high is, is that something like uh, that? from egypt yes oh um, right because i came from egypt and then i went to australia and there was i think part of the reason why i was ahead in school at the time was because the academic the academic curriculum that they were teaching in cairo at the time was like three four years advanced um above um what they would teach in, in australia like i was yeah. learning algebra for example like in third grade or fourth grade, <laughs> wow. whereas, whereas, you know, they don't teach that. They don't really teach that. In, I don't think anywhere in the West until like high school. Yeah. Uh, so I felt like when, when we moved to Australia and they were, and I was in, I was in class there and they're basically, you know, teaching us what a triangle is. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> I, know, well, I know Pythagoras. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's what and I'm only 11 at the time which is crazy so yeah um so that was I think that was part of the reason why why if you know people saw me as so smart 
It wasn't mm-hmm. the fact that I was. It was just the, I just was just well ahead of of other people. They just taught more um, where I came from, and so everything to me felt really like like really, really, really behind. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. you know, you, you imagine you you know you telling someone who knows Shakespeare like <laughs> this is the alphabet. Like it felt like that. Like I just felt like, so. So that was part of the reason, and that yeah. But I never really, like, never really saw myself as in, in any way smarter than anybody else. I just yeah, it, just luck of the draw, and I just you know, sure. and w- with the pressure in 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 places like um, Egypt, you know, you have to do well. If yes. you don't if you don't do well, you're you know you're like you're kicked out of the school, or you get punished, or you know, you, it's it's very 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 serious there. So. So everyone works really, really hard to be the best. Whereas I think, you know, uh, coming to Walls End High, was... <laughs> a little bit less casual, a bit casual, <laughs> more casual. A lot more casual. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it was a great school. It, it taught me a lot of some good things and some bad things. But yep. uh, yeah, and yourself and uh, Andrew Campbell, friends, life friends forever. You know, you yeah, know for and, so long. That's the thing that I, I wouldn't trade, wouldn't my, trade my time there for anything because because I'd made some of my closest friends, lifetime friends there, and I, yeah. you know, you can't you can't put a price on any of that stuff, you know. Like, Absolutely. It, 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 academia comes and goes, but yeah, tips is that's that's something that's something for life, and it's something I really appreciated about going to Walls and Hyatt. But uh, you didn't stay there for very long, right? Uh, you you moved to Merriweather, Merriweather High. Yeah, um, I think it was a teacher at Walzen High, and uh, I, I didn't I didn't know anything about Merriweather High School. Uh, you know, I went to Walzen High School because that was just the closest school to um, where I was living at the time. Right. Uh, and I had no idea about Merriweather High School until one of the Walzen High teachers came up to me and said, "said You know, you're a little bit um, special for this school." So. <laughs> So I, you know, special. We really recommend that you go and um, you talk to these guys. Uh, you know, as your you, for your senior years, you should probably you should probably go and see if you can get into this school. Mm. And so I, I know Merriweather the High is a selective high school, and normally you you do a test to get in there, and the, you know they take you have to have a certain IQ or whatever, and and so. Uh, like I went through all that and I, um, you know, I got, uh, and I got accepted in year 11 and 12, but I feel like a lot of the walls and high bad, uh, uh, <laughs> what, what is it? Bad habits of keeping, <laughs> I didn't really take, take the school very seriously anyway. So it didn't really matter. So yeah, I went to, so I only spent one year at walls and high and then my senior mm-hmm. years, which year 11, years 11 and 12, I spent those at Meriwether. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you, you graduated from uh, Merriweather High, right? So that was uh, off to university? Yep. Uh, yeah, and then uh, after after Merriweather, I, I applied to do engineering at Newcastle Uni. You know, I just, you know, I, I just did what everybody else did in Newcastle, and uh, uh, I didn't really have any, like, crazy ambitions or anything like that, and other than being a rock star. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I had I had I had interests, and I, I I knew I liked to build things, and I knew I liked math and science. So engineering school made sense to me, and uh, I I chose mechanical engineering. And I thought, 
you know, that's, that's, I also, I knew I also liked planes and I thought, well, you know, that's, that could be a good avenue where it opens up the doors for me to, to, you know, get into that or work in aviation or something like that. As long as, whatever it is, I felt like it would, it would help me, you know, I'd, I'd get a good job. And that was kind of my mentality at the time. So I didn't think much more of it then. So yeah, I spent, and then I went to, um, uh, study mechanical engineering in Newcastle Uni, spent four years there. Yeah, during that four years, I think that's when we, when I had a lot, I had a lot more time that we could. That's right. Started to yes. be like, okay, let's work on, let's work on our real goals here, and let's work on being a rock star. And that's we, it. That's when we started our band, Craig. <laughs> yeah, we got back together. You know, you go into a different school, um, just hanging out again. You know, I think you moved back to Ellymore Vale. And that's when a bit closer to where I, I lived in Maryland. So yep. I was like, we talked about it and, you know, let's, let's get a band, you know, let's get a band. I'll, I'll listen to all the different, all the different types of music at the time. And I remember uh, we got Andrew Campbell again uh, and we all got instruments. We couldn't find a place to rehearse. So we went to his grandma's uh, in Wall's End. Yep. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> It was in like a residential place, so there was all these houses like right very, very close to one another. Yep. And I can remember just one time just uh, my my amplifier took five minutes to warm up. It was like really, really old, turned it on, and then, you know, you could have like a drink, uh, wait for it to turn up to heat up. Uh, it was the worst, the worst amplifier ever. Our gear was just awful at the time, and it was actually a night, night gym, you know, the grandma was fine with making noise, but there was just one time Yasser went in, started playing on the drum, bang, you know, and Yasser's not the one to be like, ting, 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 you know, he gets behind the drum kit and it's like, da, 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 you, you, you know, playing is so loud. And this neighbor, uh, I can just hear it. I, I was actually not in the room. Shut the fuck up! You're so fucking loud! Shut up! I was like, oh. <laughs> Come running in. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be jamming. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be jamming tonight. <laughs> oh, dear. And that was the end. There was, like, no warning. It was just- no warning. I'm going to fucking baby it in. Oh, shut the fuck up. And it's like that was the end of the jams uh, at uh, at Andrew's grandma's place. So uh, yeah, that was the the start of the uh, the whole the whole band. And then I started looking for some players. We first got Troy. Uh, he was actually a guitar player. He was one of your friends, right? Yeah. 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 See if you could play some bass. And then uh, we put an ad in the in the newspaper, and we got Brett Watson. What a character that guy was! <laughs> I don't know what he's doing now. <laughs> Actually, I, I saw him one time in Newcastle. I was going to the music shop. He pulled up like beside me uh, in the in, in his cut little car that he had. He opened up the passenger door. And there was all like bottles of wine just fell out into the gutter. And I was like, oh my God, you have not changed one bit. <laughs> and the beer bottles and wine bottles just falling. Oh my God. So, yeah. So the band, the band, what, what was this? I, I heard, 
I wrote down the biggest uh, rock band to come out of Newcastle, right? <laughs> you remember? The, oh, my God, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, that's what you said, the biggest rock band to come out of Newcastle. And, yeah. And Paul Silverchair, that. Silverchair yeah. and the Screaming no, Jets. No, they don't no, even get a close. No, they don't get a close. Who knows that, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Daniel, hey, man. <laughs> one of my favourite memories, well, I think it was more um, – more everybody else's favorite memories was when uh, Brett was like uh, really really drunk after a gig. Oh and yeah, I can't remember. The Grand what, Hotel. The yeah, Grand I Hotel. Angry, I was angry at him for something. I can't remember what it was. And yeah, and then he did something to my car. Remember that? He, right? he, he literally urinated on your your, on your tire. <laughs> you, yeah, you were arguing over to go somewhere or something like that. So you. You poured uh, like ice water it's over his it was a coke. coke something, yeah, yeah. You, you poured a coke over his head, and <laughs> instead of like belting you, he just opened up his fly and just urinated on on your <laughs> on the car. <laughs> oh dear, he had no shame. That boy, he just got it out, just and just like what. And he just he just went away. He just got his beer and just, oh my god, those were some days that uh, you know I'm still playing music now. And uh, I look back at those days and it's like, oh boy. <laughs> World though. It's like oh yeah, we've got some footage there, and it's like now now Yasa, uh, we're playing a new song. Um, you know, there's a middle bit. Don't stop. Just keep playing, you know. Don't stop. Dun, 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 dun. I break a string. Stop. <laughs> Full silence. Keep playing. <laughs> oh dear. And I just remember, like, like uh, Brett wasn't the the banter sort of guy, and he, uh, I would have to change guitars because with the, the tuning, and uh, you know, say something, Brett. I need to change. Oh, Craig just told me to say something. Uh, what should I say? Uh, he's, you know, <laughs> it's like, don't talk about me. Talk about the music. Talk about the song. You know, ask him if they're having a good time. And, oh, Craig just told me to say this. You know, but you know, he's changing his guitar. He's be in the worst band ever. <laughs> we had some good songs. I, 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 I listen back to them now, and some of the songs are, are okay, but. Uh, it just didn't fit. He didn't fit our our style. But yeah, talking about the band, uh, how keen you were. Uh, I remember that like we were jamming all the time, like practicing at Mayfield and gigs at the Mayfield Hotel. And you you got your you got your job in Sydney. Fox is it Fox Fox uh, Studios? No, I, I, the first. <laughs> job that I got in Sydney was actually in an air conditioning um right yeah I was like I was still in that phase where I didn't know what I wanted to do and so I ended up just taking basically the first job I got and uh yeah it's, uh it was working for an air conditioning contractor and so I was I was designing air conditioning systems for 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 large-scale buildings for a good year or so wow before I realized that I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> But the thing was, yes, and I, and I tell the people that are about this still, you moved to Sydney 
but you're still a part of the band. You did a recording with us. You would finish work. You'd travel two hours to come up to Newcastle to practice for two hours. And then you'd have your where you couldn't eat at, uh, before uh, sunset. And then that was those times where, like, dude, I love your commitment 100%. You were coming for practice. You were playing gigs on the weekend. And it was like, dude, you're going to burn out. Like this whole – did you have the Sigma at the time? Uh, yeah, I had the – it was Nissan Bluebird. Nissan Bluebird. Oh, that, you, you flogged that to the ground, mate. I remember <laughs> when the, uh, the, the whole uh, – the brakes, they would whistle. It was just like metal on metal, you know. Turning up to a light, <laughs> we'd just be playing Metallica and Faith in the Moor, and yeah, it's, you were the designated driver, right? You'd come and pick us up every weekend. Me, yeah. you, and Campbell, we'd go to the biggest disco. What, what was the? It was the? It was a routine. It was like I'd, I'd take twenty dollars Australian, and that'd last me the whole night. Yeah, I remember that. I'd- where would we start? Did we start at the Grand Hotel? I think it was the Grand Hotel, and then either the Grand Hotel or or North we'd go Grand Hotel. We'd, we'd go across the road from uh, the Biggest Disco, get the yeah. stamp, go to the Biggest Disco. That had that had shut at uh, midnight, and then we'd yeah. go back, and then we'd go to the uh, the Grand, the Underground. Oh, you know. I still can't believe I put up with all that. All the whole time, <laughs> not drinking. Like, that's, that's it. That's Every just... weekend, it was without fail. Like it, me and Andrew would be drunk out of our minds, and then you know you'd just be, hey, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys would just buy me cokes all night. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Caffeine. <laughs> yeah. We'd have our way going back home. <laughs> Instead of going like down the, the main street, we'd go, yeah, we'd always think it was real funny going past the uh, the red light district in, in Newcastle. That was always really funny. <laughs> Just yelling at the, these people. Oh, my God. So childish, but uh, that yeah, was... That's what, you know, teenagers and... Yeah. Uh, and wow. I, think, I, think, I think you were working like at Pizza Hut, yeah. I remember you yeah, working there. Yeah, I was still... Um... <laughs> Yeah, when I was in university, I was still, uh, that's how I was earning money. I was delivering. Yeah, you worked really yeah. hard, working with Pizza Hut, uh, university, uh, committed to the band, and then you went to Sydney, so mate, just, that's just full respect. And we did some recordings, and you listen to it now, and it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I never, yeah, never without fail, I, you know, I always... I always used every minute of my life, whether it was for good or for, whether it was a disaster. It's like I always had an adventure. I'd always had like yeah. a story. So I, you know, I never, I was never lazy. I never stayed at home and did nothing. Like I would, if it was, if it was like the very least I would do is I would hang out with my friends and go out with them, even while they're getting absolutely trashed. Didn't yeah. matter because I was, I was just hanging out with my friends, and I valued that. So yeah. Yeah. And it was it was so funny the transition, uh, you know, and, and even even before that, like I, I would come and see you down in Sydney, but then it wasn't long before uh, a couple of years later you got the opportunity to go to LA. So tell tell us about uh, your experience uh, in Sydney, and then um, how this all started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess this was like the the the, the coming of age moment. Um, 
So, like, I think for me it was, you know, I obviously the band was going nowhere. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! If you would have waited a couple more months, mate, we had record deals, you know, that was knocking at our door. And then, you know, I I really hated this job that I had, work, you know, working in this air conditioning thing. I was like, I always felt like. I always, I always felt like I was destined for much bigger things, and I didn't want to feel like this was going to be like, well, this is this is my career now. So I just, uh, you know, one day I started like thinking about like, what are my passions? What am I interested in? And and I just started spending time on the internet and and looking around and uh, a little bit of the story after after my time working at Pizza Hut um, while I was at while I was at university, there was. I had a. I ended up getting a better job in a small commercials commercials house in Newcastle to mm. do like small small little animations and um, oh. help with programming and stuff like that. And uh, my my boss there, he once told me about a company called Animal Logic, which uh, which was doing which at the time was doing the visual effects for the Matrix. And then oh. while I was uh, while I was at the air conditioning company, I was like, oh, I remember that. I remember that company that my boss told me about, and I'm like, well, let me just look them up. And so I looked them up, and then I found their website, and they had um, they had the, they had all the departments that um, that 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 uh, they specialize in, and there was one department called called the research and development department, and in there was the he the the head of research and development at Atomologic. His email was there, uh, and uh, so I. I like I just opened up and I sent him an email and I said hi my name is Yasser and you know I'm I graduated from Newcastle Uni from mechanical engineering I know a little bit of animation um, and I know how to program and I'm really interested to know whether like my skills in any way could 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 help working work in your company because mm. you guys do some really interesting stuff and uh, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to at least come and have a chat that's all I said then the next day, I got a phone call. It was really the next day. This was the most bizarre thing. I got a phone call, and it was um, uh, this woman named Zoe Diamond. And she called me up, and she's like, Hi, um, my name's Zoe. I'm uh, from HR uh, at Animal Logic. You know, we would like for you to come and have a chat with us. And I was like, Wow, okay. But I didn't actually get a reply to from from the the guy's email that I didn't I just got this phone call from HR nice. and I said okay and then they scheduled they scheduled a meeting and uh, and I got to meet him you know the whole time he he, he was telling me that um, his name's guy by the way he, he was telling me that he, he himself was an electrical engineer and he likes to program and uh, he said a lot of um, a lot of visual effects has a lot lot to do with engineering and um, my background is like well suited for it he was telling me this. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. And and I just told him, man, this is so interesting. And and he goes, yeah, let me show you around the building. And he showed me showed me um, like all the stuff they do. And he introduced me to people and stuff. And you know, an hour later, it's like, thanks. Uh, you know, have a have a great day. And then very next day, I got a call again from Zoe, and she's like, we'd like to make you an offer. Wow. I didn't even know I was being interviewed. <laughs> it's how wild wow. that was. For me, it was I was just in there having a conversation with the guy, but mm. then they just made me an offer. So, did so, you talk to them and, and find out why they, they were so interested in you at the time? Well, a guy was interested in me because I had an engineering degree, and right. he, he was um, 
he himself was an engineer. And so he, you know, he really valued engineers. And, and at the time, I guess, not much of a, no, it wasn't well known that engineering was a, a actual foundation for visual effects. Like that right. was very well known. So I had just happened to have been at the right place, right time at that, at that point. So I just, I just got an offer like that and I didn't even know I was being interviewed. And so I, I accepted right away and gave my resignation to the air conditioning place. And I started working at Animal Logic. I was lucky because they just happened at that very time, they were hiring tons of people because they were ramping up for this big giant feature animated film. They went from like a hundred and something people to almost a thousand or something like that. I can't remember wow. how many. And they were basically like like desperate for people. And so so here I come in out of the blue yeah. with the, the, all the things that they, they, they needed, um, even though I didn't have any experience, I was valued and I got, I got a job offer. Every, the vast majority of people were, there was a lot of people that, you know, they had to import from the United States or yes. Canada or whatever because uh, animation was more established outside of the outside of Australia than it was mm. there. So the vast majority of the the teams were foreign. Um, mm. So I was actually I was actually one of the few Australians right. hired at the time, which is crazy. Um, so my my timing was just really really lucky, and that feature film turned out to be Happy Feet. Wow! Uh, <laughs> so I, again, it was like timing and luck, yes. and I was like, whoa. And uh, as we all know, that that film went on to win an Oscar. Um, mm -hmm. And once once you work on a film and you have a credited film on an Oscar winning film, it's like the door is just open, wide open. Um, so at the end of that project, that's when I was getting offers from the United States. And wow. uh, so I had a bunch of offers to work here and I accepted one with uh, Sony Imageworks. And uh, so I then, you know, finished up Happy Feet and and uh, took the, you know, took the plunge. Took the plunge, and and yeah. you know, Sony flew me out and they set me up, and I, you know, like that's when my life really changed, and I just yeah. you know, realized that I realized that there was no going back. It was like this is this is my new life now. Yeah, I can remember. Um, was it difficult to get the visa the first time, or was it the second time uh, difficult uh, to get the visa to the US? Uh, both times. So uh, right. you know, as you remember, like uh, September 11 happened, and uh, mm. there was a little bit more restrictions on visas from people, particular names and backgrounds, and yes, kind of thing. So um, unfortunately, uh, it turned out because I was born in Egypt. I was subjected to extra administrative processing. Mm. First time, the first time the United States, uh, the first time Sony um, got me my visa, it took six weeks longer than it would take a regular Australian. Um, yes. And so, but it was like, you know, six weeks, it wasn't too bad. I got yeah. it. It was fine. When I, after two years of living in LA, I, every time you, you finish, every time your visa runs out, you have to go back to your home country and renew it. So after the my my visa was only for two years, and you know Sony kept extending my contract, and so I had to go back to Australia to renew the visa. That time, the second time, 
my it still went through administrative processing but then that time it took four months wow so, yeah so so i was stuck stuck um and i i thought you know i thought like my career was ruined at that stage but you know fortunately sony really valued um my contribution so yes. they, like they basically held out until until it all went through and then i managed to come back but then as soon as i as soon as i got back here i was like okay i can't i can't go through this visa process anymore so i ended up applying for applying for a green card and you know i, I actually got the green card faster than i got the visa which is right so that's yeah that was that story with the the whole visa fiasco but mm. you know it's it, it it's hard you know it, it America is built on immigrants and it's built on basically absorbing the best of the best from all over the world. Um, but at the same time, you know, there was these, all these little weird things that make yes. there's barriers in the way that, you know, you know, we talk about all the time and, and, um, it, it, it was unfortunate, but fortunately for me, I, you know, I, I pushed through and I came out on top and, um, that's right. Determination, country, mate. It's, uh, yeah, and, and the country is better off for it. Like, uh, you know, I I contributed so much to to yes. the industry here. It makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, tell us first moving to LA. You know what it was like, but then also tell us about coming back to Australia. I get the same feeling now when, uh, like you when I go back to Australia now. So tell us, you know, what was it first like going back to the US by yourself, uh, living in LA, uh, Missouri's not Los Angeles. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, when I, yeah, so when I first, well, I moved to the, I moved to LA when I was 25. Mm -hmm. So that's a really, really <laughs> great age to move to a different country because you're very young at heart and it's all about exploring and you know Australians mm -hmm. are really big on traveling in their 20s and yes. like so it was a it was a great time to move because it was so exciting and it's you know I'm like 25 in a brand new city and I'm back in the United States you know the country that I was like you know I, I learned English in and so I had you know I was I, w I felt like I was home um, from the very first day I landed so for me, it was like super exciting. And I, I was also lucky because I already had a lot of friends here. Right. Um, and I, I had those friends because I worked with them on Happy Feet. Like I said, uh, the production hired a lot of Americans at the time. And so a lot of some of those Americans came back to L.A. And uh -huh. so I managed to you know, catch up with them. And so I wasn't alone. I, I mm -hmm. like from the very first day or like, very first night I was here, I was already like catching up with friends and going right. out and stuff so it was it was easy it was very very easy to to transition and i didn't like i didn't pack anything um when i moved <laughs> I, I i didn't even have a i didn't have a full luggage i, ca I had a carry-on that's right. what i moved with so um and then i just decided that i was going to start like a whole my whole new life here and i didn't know how long i was going to stay but like i had a three-year contract so i knew three years already was going to be that, that's a while so yeah. I always thought like I was going to come back to Australia at some point uh, because my parents, you know, my parents and my family, everyone's in Australia. So yeah. I can't, you know, I couldn't stay in America the whole time. But uh, as you know, I'm, you know, 16 years now. Yeah. Still here. Yeah. 
Yeah, now my parents and my sister have followed me. <laughs> oh, that's great. That. Yes. Yeah. That's really cool. But uh, And talk about uh, coming back to Australia. Like When you did get the chance to, you sort of get that itch to sort of go back. It's cool to see family. But, yeah, I'll let you talk about that. Yes. Well, it, the hardest part was when I was, because I would only go back like once a year around Christmas time. Right. Um, the hardest part was when I'd go back and I'd, I'd look at my parents and I could visibly see them age, you know. Mm. And so for me, that was like, oh, man, that was every year it was getting rougher and rougher and rougher because because I could, you know, see my dad getting gray hairs and I get them age. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is this is a little scary because because, you know, you're you're uh, like I, I've my parents didn't have anybody else other than other than our immediate family. So I'm, I was always worried about them. So that part was hard. But but what was super easy was the fact that I still had my friends in, in Australia as well. So I just went straight back into my <laughs> old routine. I'd catch up with you. I'd catch up with uh, Campbell. We'd go out, hit the town, same thing. You know, uh, go to the Grand, whatever. We oh, just like you was like yesterday, right? <laughs> like nothing would change. It was, it was really comforting to to know that I had a new life, but it was like, it was always like, oh, but I can always go back to my old life, you know, but now, you know, 16 years on, it's probably different now, but, but at least when I was first, when I was first uh, doing this, it was, um, it was a really great time. It was was easy, you know, and I'm very fortunate of it. it. It's probably helped, helped me be able to stay this long in the, in, in LA because I had such a, really great few years when I first moved here. Absolutely. And uh, tell us a little bit more about Happy Feet. I mean, it was a huge success. It won the Oscar. So your first movie that you're a part of, you won an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy because because it was my first film, I kind of like, I somewhat took that for granted, the fact that the first film I worked on won an Oscar. Yeah. That must be how everything goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I was, I was, we just had a, you know, we were, it was an amazing team. We had the best yeah. luck to draw and, you know, George Miller, the director was phenomenal. And it, it, it was, it was already crazy to think like, you know, I was a big fan of Mad Max, for example. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is, this is the director for Mad Max. And, you know, I'm seeing him in the hallways and he's saying hi and he's like the nicest guy in the world. And, yeah. and, you know, it was, that production was like, to me, to me, my life changed when I worked on when I started to work on Happy Feet. It wasn't so much when I moved to LA. It was like there when I worked on Happy Feet, because um, it it was at that point that the found my foundation for the career is where it started. Yeah. The connections I made from that film are mm. basically what started me off over here. You know, the the coworkers that I the the friendships I made with the coworkers I had over there are mm. I still have them now. Um, I still work with some of the like here at Disney. I still work with some people that I worked on with, worked with on Happy Feet. So I still even yeah. work with them. So you know, it's they're for life. Um, so that production really, you know, really meant meant a lot to me. And um, you know, seeing my credit roll, yeah, time. On a on the big screen was like I the first thing I did is I called my mom and I was like I I saw I saw the final product actually in L A not in Australia but um when I when I saw it in the theater for the first time I like I, and I saw my name I just like shocked I called my mom and I said mom mom my name is at the end of a movie can you believe it yeah. and uh, and then she got to go and 
you know, when it came, when it finally came out in Australia, it's funny, it came out in the United States before Australia, even though Australia made it. Uh, and then when she got to go and see it, um, you know, it's just like see my name there. It was, yeah. it was like a whole, it was a start of a new thing, you know? So that, that movie is really special to me because that's what, to me, was what the, the life changing project that, that changed, got me yeah. to where I am now. Okay. Yeah. And I have this one thing where I, if I see one of your movies now, yes, I'm the last person in the cinema. And say, like, I'm waiting until I get to see his name. I'm not leaving until I see him. It's like, oh, there it is. It's like, okay, I can go home now. <laughs> I'm really, really, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of you, mate, of what you've achieved and all that. And I've always supported you 100%. So, yeah, happy feet. And then, you know, was it easy after that or was it difficult, like, like, such a huge success from your first one where do you go from there you know is it down or is it up or was it consistent tell us well that's that's the funny part is like i've i i don't know if somebody's looking out for me or whatever but i've always had like it's like i went from i went from working on happy feet to to coming to work on sony on these big productions and, hmm. and i worked with tim burton's alice in wonderland and so what, what did so, sorry mate what what was the change from uh, to, to Sony was it well so Sony's Sony's the company that hired me after Animal Logic so right right that was that was the first company that I worked in at, in LA so they they're the ones that brought me over here they're, they're the ones that got me on the visa and everything and they originally had had me signed up to work on Beowulf which was um, mm. uh, Robert Zemeckis who's another amazing director you know back wow. to the so yeah yeah. So that's another crazy thing. I was like, "Whoa, I'm working with the Back to the Future director now." Um, so I started. So I worked on that production at Sony, and then then I worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So I love that film. Um, so, and Tim Burton's uh, Alice in Wonderland. And I was, mm. so, so after working on working on those, so all those films were, were you know, they were all big, critically acclaimed films. So yeah. so even though none of those won, none of those won Oscars or anything. Yeah. I think Alice in Wonderland was nominated for visual effects. I think. Can't remember, but that's when I realized, okay, like getting an Oscar is actually a rare thing. Yeah, uh, and it just happened to be the first movie I worked on, but I still had like I was still very privileged to end up to have ended up working on those big films. When my time was uh, coming to an end at Sony, I was, um, you know, I was con- that's when I was contacted by Disney to uh, to come and have a chat with them about their, you know, about a feature film that they're working on. About yeah. you know, basically their their take on Rapunzel, um, which is now you know when I first worked on it, it was called Rapunzel, and they changed the name to Tangled. Right. Uh, yeah, and when I went and had a chat with Disney, and you know they told me about the production, and I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. I would love to work on this. So I left Sony to come and um, work on Disney. At the time, so again, just weird universe thing. At the time, Disney. Disney wasn't in the best shape. Like they, Pixar. People think Pixar was Disney, but it, it wasn't really. Pixar was uh, their own company that, you know, and Disney was the distributor. Disney Animation um, was uh, was more struggling than than Pixar at the time. So the focus was tended to be on Pixar and Toy Story and all this stuff. Um, so Tangled was kind of like um, Disney Animation's jump into 3D animation to do like princess movies and I just like when they talked to me about it and they told me about the story and I was like I fell in love with it 
and it took, it was a big risk for me to leave Sony to come and work at Disney because Disney was not in the best shape at the time. Mm. Um, but I really wanted to work on that project. Yeah. Uh, and as we know, like once, you know, once it got released, it, it was nothing. Like yeah. Shit. It was, and that, that movie turned the company around like crazy. And then, after Tangled, they greenlit Wreck-It Ralph, and then it was another huge. Yes. Hit. And then it was like, oh my god! And then, um, and then after Wreck-It Ralph, it, it, you know, so I just kept, kept extending, kept working, and um, and then, and then uh, after Wreck-It Ralph is when uh, I got put on Frozen, and we all thought it was going to be like, oh, it'll it'll probably do as well as Tangled or something, and yeah, and I remember. Like, similar. I remember we had this conversation, like, and, and I think I been there while you were in the pre-production of the whole yeah. the whole thing and you were you were, you you were saying something like oh you know we've got this budget we hope that it might get the you know this amount of, of dollars you know might might sell this but you know so, so yeah yeah, yeah and sorry yeah, sorry continue all, that movie we all know how that movie came out so it was like now we're back into Oscar territory, and now we're in the billion dollar. <laughs> yes, it's it was the biggest animated film ever. Mm. Um, so you know, I went from you know working at an air conditioning company in Sydney to Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, <laughs> working on the biggest, you know, having a credit on the biggest animated film of all time, all time. Wow. So. That was really wild. Um, you know, you just—it's—it's it's so international. Like, yeah, wherever I go, the little kids are all dressed up, and even now, teaching—they want to play "Let It Go" all the time. Let yeah. it go. It doesn't matter how many times you play it. They—they just—they're just like, oh, <laughs> they're just, they just drop everything and like zombies to the. the yeah. Uh, so yep. it's just universal. Yeah. When Frozen 2 got greenlit and, you know, I like this time I had the opportunity to be a department supervisor on the film. And, right. And I jumped on that. And because uh, I would definitely, you know, it's it's one thing. It's it's already amazing enough to have your, you know, credit credit name in the role. But it's another thing mm. when you have like a, you know, a big splash screen, your name on it. And, wow. and uh, so, yeah, when I when um, when I got that offer to do that, that was like. You know, that was, I had to jump on that. And, you know, we all know, you know, that one even, you know, it, it, it blew away the first film. So, so I've been very lucky. Like, I've been very fortunate to have gotten the, the chance to work on these amazing films. And it, it's hard to look back and think, like, is it all luck? Is it, like, timing? Is it what? Like, I, it's, it's a mixture of things. But, you, yeah. know, you know, but it's, it's honestly, the, 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 the people that I work with are just, incredible you know that's so you can never say never say with you yes that it's not because of hard work i mean even when i come and see you in la you're like okay there's the fridge there's the remote okay i've got to do some work go and you've got like four computer screens you just (laughs) it's like dude let's go for a beer let's go and watch some music you know (laughs) all that that energy i used to have between jumping around from driving newcastle and getting the band and and yeah. doing all stuff, I channeled all that energy into something, something else, and yeah, and this is, yeah, this worked out. So uh, yeah, here I am, you know, still here, sixteen years later. 
Is it, was it easy for you to fit into the Hollywood sort of lifestyle? I mean, you hear of some terrible stories, you know, going there and, you know, not not surviving in that sort of, even, even I, you know, the couple of times that I've been there, I, there were certain people there that uh, would never survive five minutes in Hollywood. So how have you sort of... Uh, being able to live in Hollywood for 15 years. You know, you just keep your head down, man, and, yeah. and just focus on the job, and and that's what's important. It's like just just the job. Um, you know, it doesn't mean not to have fun and stuff. Like, you know, I, mm. you know, I, I'm a very social person. Like, you know, I I still very much like go out and hang out with my friends as much as possible. So, but I am I am very like I'm you know I'm very privy and and uh, I'm aware of of like yes. going down the rabbit hole and going in the wrong direction. And uh, so, you know, I know what that direction is and I, I, you know, I just avoid it and I just stick to, stick to what I know and stick to um, what I believe in. And um, I think that that's a, that's a big factor in how people, whether you do survive staying in LA or not, it's like, are you going to be focused on what you're, what you're here that's for? Right. Or are you going to get distracted by the bullshit? Yeah. Uh, and I don't get distracted by the bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're still living in the same place on the strip. Yeah, so I, yeah, I live. Um, I live uh, uh, near Runyon Canyon. I don't know, you know, where that is. It's it's this famous hike um, in LA. People mm. do. It. They see they they see all of LA and the Hollywood sign and all that. Um, I live like right next to it. Um, it's a great location. Like it's just, a tough. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough you know my my you know my address is hollywood which is so weird to say that i live in hollywood I actually live in Hollywood because yeah. uh, people just say oh you live in hollywood no i live i live in actual hollywood and um, is your is your uh, neighbor still uh mr jeremy uh well he's in jail right now so <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone that last <laughs> my neighbor anymore um Oh. Yeah, I know, you know what's happened to that guy, but uh, yeah, he's uh, there was a whole there's a whole scandal going on with uh, with yeah. our friend Jeremy. Um, oh, but yeah. interesting, interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, you know, his, his apartment is still my neighbor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and talking about that, I mean, you know, I get these messages, I see all these pictures uh, of celebrities. Um, I remember one time uh, you. Um, had a signed Winnie the Pooh for Britney Spears's kid. Uh, you're telling me you missed out on Michael Jackson meeting Michael Jackson by about 30 minutes. You showed me like signed System of the Down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. It's like eventually, um, eventually, all that stuff just becomes a wish wash. Um, while yeah, it, it's it like friends, everybody. right? Yeah, everybody has a story around somebody, and the longer you're here, you're eventually going to get to know certain kinds of people and stuff, mm. and the, the people that you would never have ever thought that you would ever know in your entire life, and you just do. It's just a matter of time. I became a member of the Academy. Um, in yeah, that's an amazing achievement. 2018, I think, yeah, yeah three years ago or something. That was, um, that was a pretty big, big thing for me, because... At that point, you're, you know, it's you're no longer just a person working on a film. You're someone that's like judging other people's work, and wow. you're now up in that. You're up in that tier where you're you're 
you're looking at you're looking at these animated films or shorts or film or regular live action stuff and you're 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 actually judging their work oh, so that yeah, was a big right. that was a big big like big thing for me and that was um you know and when you become one of those members you're you get invited by a lot of studios and PR firms and stuff like that to to come and um, come, you know come and watch their films and come yeah. and meet the meet the actors, meet the directors, meet the producers. They you know they want to talk to you and and yeah. tell you all about uh, all about their productions. And so that was you know that's a huge huge privilege of of something that I get to experience. And mm. um, like I I love every minute of it. I met yes. Yeah amazing amazing people oh, yes. and you know everyone's so nice and kind and you got to realize every they're all your peers um yes. you, don't, you don't you don't see you don't look you know you, you don't you don't feel starstruck or anything like that anymore doing the beginning of course you're like oh my god it's brad pitt but um, yeah <laughs> I saw I saw a picture with Matt Damon, uh, yeah, Brad Pitt. Yeah, I've met, you know, I've just, met a lot of people. I met some, yeah, you know. Yeah. And any any sort of any sort of stick out like in, in like you just went. You know. uh, well, I, you know, I I have stories from a lot of them. Like I think Brad Pitt was a great one to me. Like I, you know, I've always like I always loved his films, and I think he's a really talented actor. And when uh, I got the chance to get invited to one of the events where you meet and greet, I got, you know, there was only like 30 people or so invited. So it was a very small group of people and got to, you know, I took my sister and, uh, you know, it's, it's still Brad Pitt, even if you're, even if you've got like all these, you know, top notch producers and stuff all, all around you, you know, everybody still wants to talk to Brad Pitt, no matter who, yeah. you know, matter who like they, they could be the big, big, they could be Oscar winning producers themselves. But yeah. they still want it. It's pretty. Uh, it's Brad Pitt. You uh, got to talk to Brad Pitt. Um, so you know he was surrounded, and um, and so I didn't actually. So even though we only there was only a handful of people at at at, at these little parties, um, uh, I I I didn't think I would be able to get a hold of him. But you know he's like my sister at the time who came with me. Um, she had a she had a cast around her leg. Uh, she injured her leg, and she was just like limping. But she. She really wanted to come because she really wanted to see Brad Pitt. <laughs> of course. And funny thing is, Brad Pitt saw her and he saw the cast on her, her leg and he just pushed everybody out of the way. Oh, wow. He pushed everybody away and he reached out to my sister and like grabbed oh, her hand and said, wow. what happened to your leg? <laughs> he just asked her. And, uh, and then she just started, she's all like all giggly and started talking to him and stuff. And then we managed to, we managed to have a little chat and um and so that was like that was a really cool moment like it was so it was so human of him to just like, yeah just he's like it's like get out of the way all you people i want, I want to talk to this woman who has an injured leg <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so wow. uh so that was like you know that's like you know only one of many stories that i have of um of like when i get to meet some of some of these people you, you go know, through the list, like uh, yeah. even with the, the first with Happy Feet, wasn't that Nicole Kidman and Nicole Kidman was one of the voices, yeah. right? Nicole Kidman was, uh, I think she played Gloria, the mom, I think, and I think I can't even, I actually can't even remember who, who's what, but yeah, Nicole Kidman was in there. Brittany Murphy was another voice. Mm. Robin Williams, yeah. So, wow. 
Yeah, there's like yeah, two... such a shame you go through that list and you know yeah, tragic. Yeah, it's really tragic. Um, it's it's sad, man. Um, mm. but uh, you know, I haven't met Nicole Kidman yet, or um, you know, I would have loved to. Somebody I would have loved to meet is Robin Williams. Mm. I never, you know, never got to meet him. You know, and Brittany Murphy would have been amazing too. But yeah, the, you know, there's I have a long list of people that you know. I hope. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's still yet to yet to meet. Yeah, unfortunately, last year none of these things happened because of the pandemic. So I didn't get to didn't get to meet um, um, a lot of the people that I would have met. Um, typically, they're the ones that are you know up for up for nominations and Oscars and stuff. And then so you know this year, like Anthony Hopkins uh, won the Oscar. For best actor, and I'm, I thought, oh man, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have met Anthony Hopkins last year. Wow! Uh, so it's like, ah, uh, you know, he's one that I really would have loved to meet. And um, mm. but you know, hopefully, you know, maybe knock on wood this year, or you know, definitely next year. Hopefully, we can get back and and uh, we can pick up where we left off. But it's one of the things that I actually really, really um, uh, feel very privileged to have here here in LA and it's part of my new life now <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I, I'm just uh, I, I just sit there and uh, listen to you, these stories and I just go wow you know you, you pick me up uh, you know from the airport and you know there's no roof you convertible roof and a brand new brand new car and it's like yeah this is the life <laughs> Yep. No Sigma, no Nissan. Yeah, where's the Sigma? Come on. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, it's funny. I, I drive a Tesla now. So. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said before, I've been there a couple of times to uh, to come and see you. And uh, every time I've come, uh, I've come for like obviously to come and see you, but there's a purpose. And uh, some of the biggest moments have been when I was in America, the time uh, I rushed back to your place to find out that I'd won the uh, meet and greet for Metallica. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's you could see how that all changed. There was one time, uh, it was the last time I went, uh, we went to WrestleMania in San Francisco, Santa Clara. I went back. You know, every time you're working, I'm going to another city. And when you're not working, I'm back in L.A. So. Yep. I can't remember if I drove back to LA or I or I flew back. Anyway, we got we hired a car, we went inland, went to WrestleMania. It was amazing. You know, it was great to see, you know, Undertaker and Triple H and you know, great great to see. I wanted to talk about your relationship with the uh, University of Newcastle. I know that you. That's one of the main reasons why families first, but also they. You do like uh, lectures uh, with the university students. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I still have a good, good repertoire and good connection with the university. So whenever, whenever I do come come back to Newcastle, I'll always like hit up the university and say that I'm coming. And when they know I'm when when they know I'm coming, they'll like they'll usually make the time to to schedule. Uh, like a lecture hall or, or like a, or they'll, or an open forum or something like that. So that you, so they can give the opportunity to students and stuff to come and just chat with me and, and, you know, basically tell the story that I'm telling you right now. Um, and kind of just guide, 
guide people on on you know how how to follow their dreams and you know explaining how how I used you know some of my skills from from school and engineering and how that how that was like the propeller to to get me to where I am so I always because that was such a such a big part of um, where what brought me here I always want to I always feel like I want to give back and so I always try and reach out and like I I contact the university to make those conversations um, so I'm hoping that once this pandemic's over and I get to back and I get to visit Australia again I'll be able to kind of get back into that and and contact the university and uh, reach out and so I'm still very much in contact with them and always want to try and give back as much as I possibly can because yeah. I would be here if it wasn't for them yeah that's right absolutely a great cause and and speaking of that like uh we'll get into the, like the cliche sort of questions now so what do you say to people that uh want to do what you're doing honestly it's like it's just persistence and just not like if you're unhappy where you are like do something about it like you know yes. make a change try and try and see well what is it that you actually care about what is it that you're interested in what is it that you're you want to put your passion in and just reach out like send out emails talk to people get to know people um you don't be afraid of rejection um you know i my whole career was based off of a random email that i sent out yeah you know? uh, so it, it, it starts off like that it's a, it everything starts off with just like a small reach out let's just go go and reach out it's not just a matter of that either like work towards it like if you know you need you need specific skills to get to something like work on those skills make sure you make sure you know how to do what what it is that you want to do make sure you try and try and be the best at it and uh like you know those these are things that i've always strived for it's you know it wasn't like i keep saying that oh my god i was so lucky that this 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 and this has happened but but um, I wouldn't be in this. I wouldn't still be in a job twenty years later if it was just lucky. Like I, yes. I basically know what I'm doing. You know, you still have to. You, you gotta you take that opportunity, take that chance. But then, but then really own it. Like work really, really work towards it. So those mm -hmm. are that to me is the biggest advice I would give to anybody. Yeah, you know, uh, what is the future for Yasa? Like, I know you can't talk about too much about future work, but uh, what is the future for Yasa? Yeah, so I'm supervising right now on um, the next. So we have um, we have two animated features this year. One was Raya and the Last Dragon that came out in March, and uh, in November we have Encanto coming out. I'm not working on that project, so normally we we release one film a year. Um, and they, it usually comes out in Thanksgiving. The project that I'm working on is coming out Thanksgiving in 2022. So that so I'm pretty much just ramping up on that right now. Uh, you know, it's still very much you know pre-production, still early, trying to figure things out. It, it's exciting, and you know every project that I work on is like it's like a new job because because nothing is the same. I'm constantly challenged because everything is something different so i never get bored in this job because it's, it's not like a it's not like a factory job or anything like that and what's motivating you now at the moment yes i mean you've been so successful in this in this career what's motivating you now is it to continue doing different sort of subjects well i, I you know it's it's funny i even though i've been i've been in this industry for 20 years i i feel like i've really only scratched the surface yeah of, yeah. of what 
what I can do. Um, it, it's, it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's a small industry, but it's a big industry. Um, there's, there's a lot, a lot of avenues to, to kind of contribute into. So what motivates me is the fact that there's just so many things, so many different things that I can, that I can, that I can do in this industry. So, and just getting the chance to explore what all that means. So, yeah. So I, you know, if I'm, I, I will never, I'll never just settle for, 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 okay, I know how to do this job. This is easy and it's just a job. Um, I will try and chase what the next challenge is. Like, well, what's something I haven't, what's something I haven't done before? I want to, yeah. you know, what, where can I, where can I, uh, you know, put my energy and I'll, I'll put my energy there. Uh, so that's what motivates me is that there's, it, there's just, there's still so much, so much opportunity. Totally. You know? Um, and I'm fortunate to, to work at a company like Disney because Disney's really open about, about letting you explore like whatever it is you want to explore. And we, you know, we have a, we have a thing called a short circuit program and that, and that program allows any regular artist to, to do an animated short, to direct an animated short with their own team and all that kind of thing. You just, you pitch your short and if it, if they like it and they get selected, they'll, you get to do it, you get to direct it, you yeah. know? So, so there's a lot of, a lot of avenues like that, that I haven't even, I haven't even scratched the surface on and I want to see where all that goes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the last couple of times that I've, I've been there, the more recently, uh, you were telling me, be confidential and we can cut this out if you want. Uh, you were saying, Craig, you need to come back to LA very soon because I think I'm going to get married. I said, what? Yes, <laughs> huh? Going to get married? And then, and then maybe a couple of months later, I send you like a text message and, and it's like, hey, how's everything going? How's the relationship? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get married. <laughs> and it's like, that's my boy. <laughs> so, you know, obviously they are asking me the same thing, but still just happy with, with your career and, you know, you know, working hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my, you know, my personal life is definitely not lacking. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I develop relationships with people yes. all the time, you know, it's, you know, I, for me, it's just, I, it's got to take, that takes someone I really, 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 really <laughs> to, to, to kind of just go, okay, this is someone I could spend my life with. Yes. Yes. And I don't know why I am this way, but I think it, it I think part of it is the fact that I just, I live such a dynamic life and I've had such a, you know, I've moved from one place to the next. I've, my life is just, I'm used to change, constant mm -hmm. change. And I guess, I guess long-term relationships scare me a little bit because it's like, well, I'm used to change and this is not change. And, um, but that said, that said, like, yeah, definitely if it's, if it's the right person, yeah. you know, then I'm there, you know, like I've been, I've been at Disney for 11 years and, and so I haven't changed that. And why, well, why haven't I changed that? It's because I love my job. And so, you know, you meet someone that you love and, then you don't need to change. And so it's not always about change. Um, uh, yeah, I, that just hasn't happened yet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Social media is mate. Uh, where can uh, people out there want to get in contact with you? Yeah. So um, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. My, my handle is yes, likes to fly with, with the number two. 
Yeah, so, it, and my Instagram is like a, a mishmash of a lot of stuff where it's like stuff I do at work or am I flying or where I'm out with my friends or, or that kind of thing. It's just, it's like a snapshot of what I do day to day. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, you know, if you just look up my name. But yeah, other than that, uh, that's kind of kind of where I, I spend my time. One more thing just before we go, your pins. Your oh, pin yeah. project. Yes, yes. That yes. is amazing. Can you please tell us about that? I've, yeah, told, so, I've got it written down here, but I didn't say yeah. I forgot all about it. There's so many oh, things. Uh, to... Yeah, like, you know, um, this. Uh, I once went to uh, I, I went to this gallery showing a few years back, um, and uh, there was this amazingly giant portrait. Um, like I think it was an elephant or something like that, and it was made from nails. Wow. And I did it, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" You step back from a distance, and you and you're you just you see this beautiful high res looking elephant, but then close up, it's actually made up of of hammered nails in a board. Uh, and and then for whatever reason, I was like, "Oh man, this is a really cool medium," and it just hit me. I was like, "You know, I can. I feel like I can. I can like." find a way to proceduralize this, like make a way, you know, you know, create this format to create this kind of art, like procedurally. So I, I just decided as a side hobby that I would, uh, I decided to build this machine that would, that would um, basically print with pins. I chose pins because Originally, I was going to do nails just like the the board, but then I realized it was going to be dangerous. And I, how would I, how would I have like a nail gun on on this machine or whatever? Right. Chaotic. Um, and then I decided that oh well, you know, I can use pins and foam board, and that's much safer and easier. And so I I developed a printer that basically prints with pins. I wrote this system where where you can take any kind of high resolution photograph and it can convert it into this medium with with where you printing with thousands and thousands of pins, um, so I ended up creating a bunch of pieces, um, which you know I've got um, I've got online on Instagram. If you look up at the, the pin artist, yes. um, and uh, one of them um, I did for a caricature show at Disney because we have a annual caricature show. I did one of Walt Disney, and the the company was so so blown away by this thing yeah. that. They they posted it on their own social media. So on on Disney's own social media, they posted my my work, which is and then there was like a hundred thousand views or something like that. Wow! Uh, but uh, they posted it on Walt Disney's birthday last year. Um, so cool. So still have hobbies outside of work, and I still like to build stuff. I still like to, you know. Um, Are you still playing the drums, mate? I still I still have the drum kit, and I electronic drum kit. Like, Come on. When I wanna, you know, when I wanna feel like listening to some good music, I'll just put the headphones on. I'll start playing drums. I'm a lot better than I used to be. So come on, <laughs> we should start the band now. Maybe we'll find. Yeah, out. yeah, that's <laughs> it. I'll come to LA and we'll start the band. Yes, I think that's what we should do. Uh, to finish off, I just asked uh, some uh, questions. Top three or four favorite things as of today, as of now. Are you ready? <laughs> my top favorite things okay. all right all right so uh firstly uh your top three favorite bands and then your top three favorite vocalists oh that's a tough one okay top three favorite bands acdc guns and roses 
Metallica. Yes, I've taught you well, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, vocalist? Mike Patton, Eddie Vella. Is that how you pronounce his last name? The pro yeah. Jungle. Um, and I, sh- I feel like I should say someone female. Whitney Houston, actually. Whitney Houston. All yeah. right. I was going to whisper Michael Jackson. But anyway. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, Michael Jackson's up there too, but God, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, that's very, really hard. Your three favorite movies that you haven't produced or haven't been a part of. Oh, okay. As of today. The Matrix, Back to the Future, The Lion King. Mm, very good. All right, uh, food. Uh, what are your top three favorite uh, international cuisines? Ooh, international cuisines. Well, I've got to say pizza. I like, worked at Pizza Hut and never pizza. <laughs> <laughs> always bring your So I'll say pizza. Um, ceviche, Peruvian ceviche. Mm. Um, probably Indian food. Mm, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And uh, your your top three international places that you've been to overseas, like countries that I've been to. Yes. Okay. Um, Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, Banff, Canada. Nice. Tijuana, Mexico. I've never been to Mexico. <laughs> this is the oh worst. really? Most people away. Uh, third one. Probably want to give that a miss anyway. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? I got to say Egypt actually. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I know, I I know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to use Egypt because I didn't want it to sound like I was biased and born there or stuff. But it actually is one of my top favorite destinations. I love to go there. Just the history, history yeah. blows my mind. So yeah, I would say that. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, three places that you want to go to in the future? Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, oh, I do want to go to Mexico, but I think I think I, I'm really interested in in exploring parts of South yeah. America. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't been to South America at all. Things like Machu Picchu, I want to go see that. Yeah. I haven't been to New Zealand actually, and I want oh. to go. To so I want to, you know, I want to. It was one of those countries. They're like, I can go there anytime. Yeah, I got there next week. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Australia light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but, but no, I actually do want to go to New Zealand. Hmm. And um, uh, I can't decide like Turkey or Greece. Mm. Like probably Turkey, I think. Um, nice. That'll be something a little bit more exotic and interesting. Oh, different cultures, yeah. And uh, finally, mate, uh, who is your biggest in- inspiration slash hero? Uh, I I always said about that. My biggest, because I have a number. Um, okay, top three then. I. I Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of them. Um, I know that sounds uh, probably not some, but he's always been inspiring to me. Like he's he's uh, you know he's everything he's done. He, he kind of reminds me of me in a little bit, but like on another level. Like he he tries to be the best of what he does. Like he's you know, mm. the universe, the governor. Like yes, you know uh, the governor of California. Yeah, he's so to me he's he's inspiring for that reason. Um, so I look up to him. Uh, our oh, our ex CEO Bob Iger, um, he's he's someone I look up to. Um, I think the way he turned around the company 
and turning Disney into what it is. Like I just, I'm inspired by his leadership and just his style and his charisma. Uh, I've met him and talked to him once and I just like that energy and so it's somebody, it's like, I, I want to, I want to be just like him kind of thing. Yeah. And a third person. Oh man. It's going to sound bizarre, but probably like re recently I've been a fan of Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah. I just like his, uh, bold, his bold energy and, and the fact that he's like investing, investing into the future of humanity and like, exploring you know expanding space space exploration and working on renewable energies is why i have a tesla so um yeah i'd probably add him too absolutely mate we could chat for you know another three or four more hours uh i can't wait to get back to la and uh catch up i think the next time we'll probably meet is uh for uh, we've got some uh, got andrew's wedding in november right yeah, uh, in Australia. So yes. uh, I told Andrew that um, I like I'm I'm there as yeah, me too. The country lets me in. Um, yeah, it, it's uh it's a bit in the air right now because I don't know if they'll let me in mm. without quarantine yet. So yeah, um, if they do let me in without quarantine, then I'm good. Yes, I'll yeah, be there. Absolutely. And uh, the same uh, when when uh, US opens up, uh, mate, I am over there in a second. I can't wait to come back over there and, uh, you know, it's a whole new lease of life after the pandemic. So I think uh, America is going to be a really, really good place to visit uh, yeah. Yeah. post pandemic. So yeah. I think uh, so. I think, uh, I think a lot of the people are going to be really, really energetic and exciting and, and you know, welcoming. And yeah, it's going to be helps. a lot of fun. And let's jam and, have yep. a good time, yes. Anytime, Craig. Mate, uh, amazing career. Uh, I've seen it right from the start where you're a pizza guy and, you know, uh, I've seen you through the tough times and uh, I see you now and uh, true inspiration. Uh, I'm always talking about you uh, to my friends, you know, just telling you, not just all the, you know, of course about the good things and what you've done, but, it's how you've got there. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a lot of credit goes to you for what you've done and what you've accomplished. So, um, yeah, couldn't be more proud of you, mate. Awesome, um, And uh, all the best, mate. Yeah, Thanks man. for coming on. Yeah, good talking to you, Craig. Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use a code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic.